You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Welcome. Um, there's a magnificent. Uh, I'll use the word magnificent because it's it makes it sky outside right now. It's about twenty to seven in the evening, and it's the sun is just. It's here, about let, me, to, let me show them here. I'll just hold this right up to the you microphone. You can't see that. It's actually there's better than that in real life. <laughs> Here's um, a picture we took of it right here. See? The blues and the purple and the yellow. It's like it's on fire. It's like a stripy sky, all different colors of red. Uh, Have you never seen a sunset before? No, I've seen many sunsets, <laughs> but that one is particularly interesting. Looking. It is. It looks like right in the distance, everything's on fire. It does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very nice. Actually, some, something is. I don't know if it's fire. I mean, the sun The is, ball of fire. It's not technically fire, apparently. No. I watch Gas. videos on YouTube, Gases. so I've learned it's not a burning ball of fire. Burning ball of fire. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. You love that song because... The Ring of ring Fire. Of, <laughs> because... It's about after you've a curry. On your planet, whenever you say <laughs> talk about someone's ring, you're talking about their butthole. In ours, that's not what he's talking about. just lowered the standards of this podcast. I'm pretty sure Johnny Cash was not singing around about somebody's butthole. <laughs> he might have been. He was not. <laughs> Maybe he had a bad curry and he was writing that on the toilet. He didn't have a curry. <laughs> <laughs> well, a bad barbecue. What were we talking about before this show? We are talking about... Tattoos. My great niece's uh, tattoos she got. She's a senior in high school. But what's more interesting than that is it's that not- you designed mm-hmm. a tattoo... For a lady, and then you brought out some photos of it. Mm-hmm. A lady you've never met, Mm-mm. and she's got a tattoo on her belly. belly. So it's quite big, mm-hmm. and it's it your hip bone to hip bone. Your design that you did, and I said that's really cool. There's somebody out there you don't know, unless she's had it erased with or something. Your, but... <laughs> well, it'd be difficult to erase that. It's big. It is. She wanted it hip to hip, hip bone to hip bone. Um, and she had lost a bunch of weight, and she graduated law school, and decided that was her celebration. Just somebody you met online, uh, Etsy. Etsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who Etsy's kind of you can, I can go on Etsy, can I, and say, oh, I really want somebody to design this for me, mm-hmm. and some artist will approach you or whatever that kind of thing. Some, I mean, yeah, for money generally. She just saw some of my other drawings and like you didn't charge her. You probably did you? I did not. Well done. Because I mean, what if later she hates it? I'm not going to be responsible for her regretting the tattoo and paying for it. <laughs> True. <laughs> so so yeah. if anybody wants a tattoo. I do line drawings. I'm not the portrait type or, like, the realistic type. You need Cat uh, Von D for that. But Designs. if you want, like, a... You would probably say, it looks like a tribal tattoo, which would make me be, like, vomity. But... I really hate tribal tattoos. It's black and white drawings of whatever. Really line... I love lines. So lots of my stuff has lots of lines all over it. So there you go. Well done. <laughs> So it is dark This now. is not a tattoo podcast. No. Or a sunset podcast. And neither of us have tattoos. Correct. Not yet. I think for my 50th birthday, though. Yeah, have it on your head. On your forehead. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's really cool. Not many people do that. It's not cool. You're just being a dick. No, not many people <laughs> have, the, uh, have a tattoo yeah, on the forehead. you are. Only... Because you don't like tattoos. So you're like, oh, just put it on your forehead. I think people should more. Why? Because it's cool. It isn't cool. You could have a cool picture on your on your if head. If you did like a thing, like a design. Yeah. You could have a Dracula thing. 
Like in um Hairline. Like in uh, Mad Max Fury Road, that kind of thing, like crazy shit on the faces. Then you do one. it. Apparently only time we're gonna have like tattoos on our foreheads is when the will goes to shit and we don't get No any. no, there are people with tattoos on their foreheads now. There are. Of course. Russell Crowe in Romper Stomper. He has a he has a um, <laughs> swastika tattooed on his Charming. forehead. Yeah. Yike. So uh, I this... will not be doing that. No, we we went all over the place. Haven't we? <laughs> yes. So this is uh, Saturday, October the twenty fourth. This is after the show number three hundred and ninety eight. We are a movie review podcast. We're going to review a movie. We do one every week. This week we are doing the movie Tomorrowland from Disney. It's a two thousand and fifteen movie. It's actually released on Blu Ray this week, so you can pick it up. It's rated PG from our friends at Disney, as I said. And Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of Tomorrowland. That's a tough one. Um, There is a place in another dimension where all the great minds have gathered to create, like, the perfect world, the perfect city. It's not really a whole world that we know of. It's just tomorrow land, but it's really just one little town. That's a theme park. (laughs) It's not a theme park. Yeah, it looks like a theme park. And... Of course, as per Hollywood stories go and all tales of woe and triumph and etc., there's something going wrong and someone needs to fix it. And we have to find the young lady who is not necessarily a genius, but that she is very, very optimistic. George Clooney was an optimistic child. We know he went there. He's sort of a pessimistic old coot now. We have robots, good and bad. I'm a little confused, ultimately, about one part of it, so you'll have to explain it, maybe. But uh, then you have uh, House, Dr. House, in there. This is the... This is... (laughs) (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Well, it's Tomorrowland. It's like... It's a tough one to describe, actually. It is a tough one to describe. I want to see what they described. Okay, yes, please. They said, uh, Dreamers wanted... Disney invites you to an incredible world of epic imagination where anything is possible. Buckle your seatbelt as the director of The Incredibles takes you on a thrill ride. Join former boy genius Frank, optimistic, science-minded teen Casey, mysterious Athena, and the brilliant David Nix in a world of pure Disney imagination. Tomorrowland transports you on an inspiring and magical journey of wonder and adventure to a place where, if you can dream it, you can do it. That is so boring. Mine is so. Mine would have been on there so much better. There's this house thing. There's There's a person and a thing and a bad thing and a. I mean, it's tough to describe. We aren't talking about traditional. It's not like never-ending story, right? Where the darkness is coming. Because everyone's lost their imagination. I hate to break it to you, but that a spoiler alert if you ever watched The NeverEnding Story. Which I need to finish, by the way. Um, again. So it's harder to describe than that. Do you want me to give you the bottom line of this movie? We got the synopsis. Everybody, let's move on to the Everybody movie. needs to have a good fucking attitude. Right, how's let's that? Get... How's that for delivering the... <laughs> now, I, I saw the trailer to this movie. I don't know if you did. Yes. And the trailer was the, the scene where she's in the police station. Yep. And he gives her the thing, mm-hmm. and then she goes, oh. um, So that's all I knew about this film. I actually haven't been following it. I didn't see any other trailer aside from that one, which looked really compelling to me. I was interested in... Um, so this movie, um, I really liked it, but then I didn't... There's, it's uneven to me. Yeah, um, but I'd like to start with a positive note that I liked it overall. It's very entertaining. Um, the first... 
I would say 30 to 40 minutes were really, really exciting and fun. They almost felt like a Spielberg movie to me. Like, like it had this, like, like adventure, like E.T., like a, like I'm with these, or the Goonies or something like that. I'm with these on this journey and it's, you know, it had this really fun, optimistic. But then... Like optimistic, the, remember that word, optimism. Yeah, and then the story kicks in, like, in the middle, and I thought it went to pot a little bit in the middle, and towards the end it gets super preachy. You mean the problem yeah. comes around middle way, yeah. Yeah, when once that comes about, I didn't find it as interesting anymore. No. And, you know, the mysteries, there's not much mystery anymore. Um, there's spectacle all the time, like, really cool things happening on the screen. But there's sometimes not enough to keep you fully like this is amazing but like for the first when the kid is on the jetpack and all that stuff i was like wow this is so it's fun you know like it it brings like back the spirit of like when you're a boy and like you know trying things out and but then towards the end it gets like it really gets super preachy and not preachy it's it's like preachy in a disney way so it's like this not preachy religious don't get him wrong no not pre- preachy no. religious preachy um it's got a message this movie a kind of a political kind of thing but kind of soft soaped under a disney like oh it's a message but it's lovely like you can all but there's the message keep clapping your hands they're going to hear it there's a message though right <laughs> so yes and it's very Pie in the sky kind of message to me. And I am not. And it's not a bad message. No. I mean, it's a nice message. But it... For all the people out there who are Mr. and Miss, look through rosy glasses all the time because you're one of them. It's a... Whether you know it or not. It's just. I'm I mean, not. it's a nice message. It's just heavy handed a bit. I mean, not a bit, a lot. Like, Do you mean it's... just in that very one little dialogue section? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the only time it really gets like, whoa. Yeah. Um... Because it, that's what I don't fully understand what's going on. Yeah, we don't want to spoil what's going on. Well, then you have to explain to me. Why can't we is. spoil this when we spoil every other movie? No, I mean, uh, we don't want to just like, <laughs> start talking about like the intricacies of the plot right now. I'm not but... talking about the intricacies. I'm saying I don't fully understand what the whole problem is. That's all. People have a bad attitude. It's People have negative... Negativity is the overwhelming... Yeah. Um thing in the world. I mean, it, it's shown a little bit at the beginning when it shows her teachers all giving these yeah. boring, like, classes to the kids that are about end of the world, we're in this... Climate change, violence, yeah. da 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 And she keeps trying to put her hand up and, like... How are we fixing this? Yeah. She wants to know, how do we fix it? So it's like everybody's getting negative, nobody cares, they just dwell on negativity and positivity is what... We watched an extra at the end of this about Brad Bird, with Brad Bird, like a personal mm-hmm. thing. And you then you could tell exactly where he was going Exactly. From. It's totally him. I don't think I could tell in the movie, like, but afterwards when he started speaking and going, while we were making this movie, America were dismantling the space program, the space shuttle. Uh, and to him, that feels like a sad thing, like, because we used to have all this positivity. We go to the moon. See, now I, we're just breaking that wrong. down. That's not positivity, is it? In his mind, that's positivity. Adventure, the whole thing, like the, just the spirit of human, like. If I don't understand why going to the moon encapsulates that for some people, or going to space, while it's a huge endeavor, it's no bigger of an endeavor than going to the bottom of the ocean. I mean, it seems like it but when it comes to engineering and ingenuity and survival and science. You're still up against the same challenge to go to the 
Arctic to the center, to the North Pole, to the South Pole, to the moon. Yes, the logistics are bigger. I get it. The, the danger is different. I get it. However, the spark of exploration is exactly the same. So this thing of in his mind, that this space travel, and then he imparts that to her in the movie, yep. is this like symbol of human achievement. I disagree with that. It is one of our achievements. Our. I didn't do that. I didn't send us to the moon, but... Um, I think it's a misplaced, quote-unquote, optimistic thing. It seems to me like it's super personal, this story. Yeah, that's it's why, for me, thing. that never felt like, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's cool. And trust me, I would be the first one, if they said we're going to put together a generation ship, as in Star Trek, and you're just going to go forever. And I've said this before, you're just going to go. That's it. You're gonna, we're going to give you enough food and you're going to grow stuff on there and you're just going to go and you're never coming back, but you're going to see how far you can get. I would probably be one of the first people to sign up because I would want to go. But I would probably do the same thing if somebody said, hey, we're going to put together a thing and we're all going to go to the bottom of the ocean and check it out. So I think that, to me, her thing about the space didn't get me as riled up as it might be him or other... I didn't see that as like, oh my God, that's like the most amazing, optimistic thing that humans can do. And I that's what as, this is about. It's yeah. optimism versus pessimism and yes. how we should... Optimism should win. It, it should be the winner of this battle. But he's, he's symbolizing optimism with something I don't find particularly right. optimistic. He's symbolizing it with science and... Well, no, the space thing very, very yeah, specifically. So to me, science is extremely, I don't know about optimistic, it's moving you forward and exploring and it's adventurous. And that's what this movie, I kind of switched to a different switch on, on the movie. And that's what I kind of was taking from it then. That the cons, the ideas that we could have to make the world better yeah. as a, as a humanity, a, that's what I was It's like a on. super simple message of that. It's just him saying, Brad Bird saying, as a, as a culture, as, as a world... We just look at all this shitty stuff that's happening and, and dwell on it and go, oh, God, that's really bad. Like, we're so bad, we're screwed and all that. And where he's saying, no, look at it from the other point of view of how do we fix all that and move on? Like, it's, in fact, that's what, when she's putting her hand up in the classroom and the, the teacher yeah, won't. Yeah, that's another thing that's a little bit misguided. Optimists are not people who fix things. That is not correct. Optimists are people who like to delude themselves into thinking everything's fine. Instead of reality. This is my experience with quote-unquote optimistic people. A realist would raise their hand and say, how do I fix this problem? This is crappy. How do I fix it? Optimists might just go, oh, no, no, no. There's not a problem. It's fine. Everything's fine. That's an optimist. So I also missed the mark on that one a little bit. But then I had to, again, just go, okay, she's she's a forward thinker. <laughs> Let's drop the optimism crap and move from there. And this movie's like a lot of fun, though, in general. It is. The way it's de the way it looks and its design, I really enjoy. I enjoy anything where there's somewhere else yeah, yeah. that's fantastical. And it really is fantastical. I mean, that I, I wanted to watch almost watch it again. You know, when she's traveling through Tomorrowland for the first time. And there's stuff going on, and there's a train, and there's a person with a thing, and there's a person on a little wheel thing. That See, just... I'm the optim optimist. That, I mean, op optimist. I'm the opposite. That city didn't interest me at all. You know what interested me was his house. Oh, I love the swimming pools where you could gravity cool. dive in between them. It was. Like... But once I got the idea that everything in the city is very, you know, we've just... decided, why can't you have a pool that's suspended and you can, uh, whatever. That's cool. 
But I was more interested in his house because that meant he spent years tinkering and building. And it was sort of like steampunk mixed with technology mixed with his farm stuff that he had on hand. That. I was looking around his house like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's the next thing that he There's did? There's a lot of made? stuff to look yeah. at in this movie. In, there's a lot of things going on. Like, to you know. There's probably more that's hidden that they yeah. thought you would notice. Like from the other movie we watched recently. Diversity and surgeons, where yeah. they designed all this stuff, but you don't ever notice it. It just sort of enriches their world. But I would like to see an extra about that, but they didn't have that. But I really like I like the idea of this adventure. I like how it is based in our world and then goes to this fantastical place. It just reminds me of films when I was a kid, like, you know, Back to the Future, or just films where... You're like, oh, this is amazing. I'm not here anymore. Like flash, you weren't a kid when it was when Back to the Future came out. Well, you know, <laughs> a teenager. Yeah. But it's it's like, oh, this is not our world. Like, it, you know, I mean, this is, in Back to the Future it is, but we're somewhere it's else. It's other, yeah. And in this movie, you're, it, it's quite amazing, I think. It looks amazing, the place. This, this cool robots. It's like... See, I think I just... That all got lost to me because I don't think of that as a better alternative. I don't think flying around in a jetpack is necessarily better. Or the the train that has no tracks or anything. I don't know that that's better. It doesn't seem better. It doesn't seem like a train I want to get on necessarily. I wouldn't be like... Not if that's my... If I'm transported to that place. I don't know. It didn't seem as interesting to me as all the other stuff getting there. Yeah, there's a cool big idea in the middle of the movie (laughs) about the Eiffel Tower and what the Eiffel Tower actually really is. And I really enjoyed that too and what actually comes of that. Because like that's every, very old school, like, yeah, like really old. It school It really is like making. a Jules Verne type yes, of thing. Yes, exactly. Like journey, but I think obviously he's mentioned in the yeah, movie. he is. But um, it's cool. It's just there's a lot of, like I say, it's really visually awesome to look at. It's really cool, and there's a lot of new ideas for me. Like where I was like, wow, this is interesting ideas. But then in the middle, I just felt like the writing part of it was really bogged down. Like it, it got a bit. Maybe by like, the time we got to the house, yeah, there, th- there's a big part of it there where I was like well, this isn't quite as fun as it, as it was like it's yes we're, we have to deliver the message and have an ending that is the ending of this is kind of predictable and boring a little bit you know spoiler alert I'm not telling the ending I know but saying. once you say that then people have the expectation it's pretty predictable and boring though right I mean it's, uh, I, disagree I thought that, it fizzled at the end rather than went out with, I a pop, with a bang like you know I disagree you oh, did, that was fine you think I don't want to spoil it, but you think <laughs> like is like a suitable ending for for that for the whole thing? Hmm. That was fine. I mean, I didn't have any expectations, so I didn't know how. I, my thing is that whole section doesn't matter to me because the quote unquote bad guy isn't House necessarily. It's this other idea that doesn't make sense to me. So however they get to resolve, got resolved, I didn't couldn't care any less. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, the very end scene where yeah. where it's delivering all the yeah. and, and it, that's an inspiring and uplifting scene to me. I, I was actually that kind of was a payoff for me rather than the other bit before it. But um, and my thing about the bit before it, the part where you've got okay, here's the menace. How are we going to deal with it? What are the possibilities if it wins? How are we going to resolve this? And now we're resolving it. All of that part of the story. Because I don't fully understand it. I only kind of barely get what they're saying. If it's as... I'm trying... Maybe I'm overthinking it. I think so, yeah. Because not... 
I'm not saying it's complicated. I'm saying I'm overthinking it as in it actually doesn't, has no weight at all. This whole, this weird thing that <laughs> I had to make. So however that got resolved, I didn't care. Because you know by the end of a Disney movie. We or any know. movie. Like most movies like this, or big, big movies, they, like I say, that the whole scenario, how it ended, is exactly what I expect. Uh, I don't want that to happen, but it generally happens like, Gonna have a fight, gonna uh-huh. have a thing, somebody's gonna get killed, whatever. You know, it's always that. Like, it, And that always bugs me a bit about big movies. It's like, oh, here we go. Here's the end part where everybody starts to have a bit of a fight. You know, because we have to get rid of the bad guy or whatever. How else would you do it? <laughs> I don't know. That That's up to the... Uh... That's what I'm saying. So you're not an optimist because you're not offering any options. To no, I mean, it. I think that. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is like, um, or, or I would... Uh, flip it on its head and it not be so predictable, you know? How? Like, we watched a movie called Cop Car. Mm-hmm. Wasn't predictable at the end. No. I enjoyed that. Because it's like, oh, okay. A movie, you know, they didn't do... They didn't do fisticuffs and that guy falls off a building. They didn't do that, which is... A that would have been appropriate for that movie anyway. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. So often movies boil down to that. It's very, it gets very claustrophobic, and there's a bit of a battle, True. and then, then the bug guy, and this, that's kind of what happened here. I was a bit disappointed by that because of its grandeur and everything at the beginning. It just felt like it all got reined in at the end just to make a Hollywood. Yeah, because all the grandeur is trying to point at this one thing: you all are have a bad attitude. You're too negative. Yeah, and we are partially to everything to know about Tomorrowland. What we know now is part of it. And what do we have to do? Change everybody's attitude. But then nothing that happens leads you to the conclusion that that's happening. No, and <laughs> and you know what? Like, the Tomorrowland wants everybody to have a positive attitude and positive, and that's a happy, happy-go-lucky place. Similar to, like, how Walt Disney had a vision for Disney World. You know, it's all happy-go-lucky. Nobody ever has a, a sad face or anything. It's not an ideal world, that is it, because it's... Sanitized. You'll have, like to, you'll have to explain to me afterwards how does Tomorrowland get to be the way it is in this story. I don't get it. <laughs> what do you mean get to be the way it is? How like, it get to be the way it, built, it is. How it no, got built. No. It's built. I get that because they're all inspired. And now it's not great anymore. How does that happen? I have no explanation Negativity. For that. Negativity. No, that's creep. down there. That's us. That's a different dimension. That has nothing to do with them. He even says twice. So I was like, oh, right, so we're tied together. Oh, no, he explained it very clearly. Nothing that happens there has anything to do with us, with this. Okay. Oh, well. His negativity creeped into it. I don't think he was negative. That he was got his banished thing. from it for building the thing. Right. I mean, they banished him, didn't they, because of but his... Well, I don't know why, though. Well, I assumed it was because of... You because assumed. Was, they didn't his tell attitude us, wasn't... He was... Not what they wanted. Like, he was know, thinking what, the wrong but way. But you're, you're assuming all of this. We have no explanation. I couldn't think of one. I listened. I paid attention. I was like, I don't understand what's going on fully. So, I have to rewatch it. Yeah, but... um, it's So, a, yeah, the first two-thirds, I think I'm right on board. And then you get to the, hey, everybody, it's the Mickey Mouse Club. Let's all be positive and happy. Even though they don't mention Mickey Mouse. Then I'm like, oh, you did just you notice Mickey Mouse? It. He's in it. He's in the movie a few times. Mickey Mouse. I didn't know. Actually, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, when the dog comes running towards her, when she gets to mm-hmm. his house, the dog's got Mickey Mouse um, paw prints. 
He didn't have any paw prints. Remember? Yeah, but then he leaves Mickey Mouse. Um, he didn't have any. That's why she said, where are your paw prints? I just read that on IMDb. Also, um, Dr. House's watch has Mickey Mouse on it. A hidden Mickey Mouse, it says. Those things don't matter to me. There are plenty of Disney... Uh, actually, this movie um, takes place in Disneyland at the beginning. Um, and even on the... If you're a Disneyland fan and you've been to Disneyland, the Small World ride, which I had said to you, oh, God, I hate this ride. I've been on that ride so many times in Euro Disney. And it plays that song the entire time. It's a small world after all. Just over and over and over and over. By the time you get out of that, you just like you just want to smack you, smack somebody. Like, ah. Why? Because it's just this repetitive. repetitive. Yeah, but it's so repetitive. It's it's got that. That's it. That's all it says. <laughs> it's a, and it does it for you're in that ride for a fair time. You're going around very slow, looking at all the stuff. It starts in that ride. This movie. So, um, if you're a Disney fan, the World Fair thing. Is at Disney. Uh, there's like a little short as well before this that makes no sense when you're watching the <laughs> short, but then after, when you're watching the movie, you're like, oh, that's what that short was about. You know? This World Fair thing. So uh, let's go on to the cast here. Um, George Clooney is the star of the movie. Well, I disagree Play. with that. He plays Frank. I think she's the star of the movie. Plays Frank Walker. Um, what do you think? He's George in Clooney. it. I don't think he's a star, but I think he's in it and he's fine. He's better than normal Clooney to me. Because he's not Mr. Clooney. He's not being George Clooney, Mr. Smartass, I'm Hollywood star, smarmy, smarmy. He has a couple of those moments, but overall, he lightened up a lot. I don't think that... Because it's more of a... He wasn't, like, totally Mr. Cranky and Mr., like, cynical coolness. Yeah, the coolness went away, which I really liked. And I think that, again, working with the young ladies... Probably helped that, so he couldn't be Mister Suave because you can't be suave with the young ladies like a girl and a teenage girl. So I give him credit for uh, lightening up. Yeah, um, Hugh Laurie, who you all know as House or from a from Fry and Laurie in the, in the UK. I only know him from one movie. I've never watched House, and that was Baby something. We Baby, watched a long time ago. Yes, I remember that one. Yeah, he well, was he, an ineffectual British husband who the wife got tired and bored with, and so she started dating some rock guy, which I think I can't remember. Was it Russell Brand? I don't even remember. No, somebody like that. I feel like it was uh, that maybe Reese baby. Fans, maybe. maybe maybe baby. baby. Yeah. You're I right. Think it was Reese. It might have been. Um, but Hugh Laurie is actually um, Stephen Fry's comedy partner. Always has been in the UK. So you know he's a comedian guy, and here he plays a. In this, that's what I'm saying. He's nothing. Yeah, he's just you don't a understand what futurist. he is. Futurist, but he's nothing. Yeah, he's a futurist, yeah. but we only know that because of the extra. We wouldn't even know what he is. No, he's, he's sitting at a table. Ba- he doesn't want the George Clooney kid to be there, and then all of a sudden he's something else. Yeah. And there's no explanation. I think that unfortunately some of these little points got lost. Along I mean, he's the, way. the bad guy, but he's as not. Far as- I mean, I mean that's what he is. If you had to point him, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's not like he's the bad guy because he's not, not really. So I was confused about that. Britt Robinson plays Robertson. Uh, Hugh Laurie was all right. I'm, I'm not a big massive. No, fan he of was him. fine. Um, Britt Robertson was uh, plays Casey Newton. I loved her, and she's the main character the we follow. The like, yeah, yeah, she's the star of the show. She should be top billed. It shouldn't be George Clooney on that box. It should be her. It's only George Clooney on that. I box, know it? it's ridiculous, but um, she—I really liked her. She was a little bit over the top a few times with her reactions, but 
I have to keep reminding myself about like, you know, Escape to Witch Mountain and every other Disney movie where the kid is sort of in charge of the destiny of everything that's going on and she's just a kid. And while we know now she's a little more sophisticated than most kids, right? Because she's very bold and brave and... Thinker. Yeah. So there were times when her reactions were like, you know, a little amped up, but she did a lot of dialogue, a lot of moments of, you know, having to interact with somebody like George Clooney or with the other girl. And I thought she now, did a really good job. My favorite thing about the entire movie was this. Uh, she's called Rafi Cassidy and yeah, she plays a theme. she's really good. And I really liked her a lot. Like um, when she first showed up and they were driving in the car, yeah. it, was, it was funny. It was like she played it like... Straight woman. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting <laughs> for non-funny her. non-funny one. Yeah. Which is interesting for, for a younger, yeah. And the bit where they go, you know... She's not cute. She's not being cutesy. She's not being vulnerable. She's not being delicate. She is tough and... Well, we know why, but we won't say why. It kind of reminded me of, like, she's... Like, the Terminator. Like, when the Terminators come to help somebody. So now you're telling them. I wasn't going to tell them. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, in the Terminator, when somebody comes from the future, obviously, to help somebody from the present and they're just all business that's what she is like she's just all business with the person um i wasn't spoiling it but you spoiled <laughs> it by saying oh no i think it's very clear i was just saying meant. the attitude um so uh tim mcgraw who i don't know who he country is music he star. plays eddie newton he's, he's just the father singer. isn't he oh he is he mm-hmm. lost that those things are lost <laughs> so you're supposed to go oh it's tim mcgraw. tim mcgraw yeah yeah no i didn't know he didn't have much to do but he was no. fine yeah I mean, he's fine uh, Catherine Hahn, which I really loved, played Ursula, and Keegan Michael Key played Hugo. These are these two over the top characters in this, um, like a uh, nerd kind of souvenir shop. Well, it was a space, book, space, all space stuff yeah. from movies and pop culture. I thought they were really fun. Like it, it was a fun, almost Men in Black, like over the top. Yes, fun. Definitely, like, definitely Men in Black. Yeah. Um, but they were... I, Ooh, they, Men in Black. I need to watch that. I mean, they were awesome, but it wasn't. there wasn't enough of that. I mean, that part, like, it was... And there is some, like, funny stuff in here, like the Men in Black type dudes who come, who are... Kind of funny. When they show up, it's kind of a funny caricature-ish thing. But those moments are real small. Like, they, it it never really commits to that. I'm glad, though, because I don't yeah. want it to be goofy. Right. That's one thing this this doesn't have is a goofy factor, and I really appreciate that. Aside from that. those that scene in in the comics, those even that goofy. wasn't goofy because we know why they're inappropriate. Yeah. So that didn't it doesn't reflect on the rest of it was very specific to those two characters. So I, I really like those characters. I was like, oh, they you know this is like an awesome you know part of the movie that, that is too small like it was it's pretty brief um so it's directed by brad bird you all know brad bird he was a pixar he was at pixar not everybody knows who he is he directed the incredibles ratatouille mission impossible ghost protocol which recently came out and uh the incredibles 2 is his next movie Very uh, so he's going back to pixar um i love the incredibles like really yeah. love it brad bird darling um, even when he works with pixar it's super. He's, he's an optimistic kind of guy. Even though, think of Ratatouille and think of mm-hmm. they're just positive, feel good. Didn't he also do Wally? No, he didn't do Wally. Uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. That's I guess that's that's just a, a, a kind of an outside thing for him. Different, bit different. 
it's not really a positive, optimistic thing, is it? You know, it's just action movie. Have we seen it? Yeah, we saw it. Did I? <laughs> yeah, about two years ago when it oh. came out. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking like he was. Uh, new. He went around the building in. Um, oh yeah. In Dubai, Mr. Cruz. But yeah, I like that one. It's actually one of my favorite Mission Impossible. You probably movies. had hidden positive messages in there that you yeah. just forgotten. But I don't, I like I don't think Bird. he could make one that doesn't have. I think Brad Bird can actually do live action movies. You know, people were like, when he did take that movie, they were like, "Oh well, he's the animation guy from Pixar. How can he do live action?" And then Ghost Protocol really turned he out. He didn't good. draw the animation; he directed it. So right. directing is the same, isn't it? If you say to them, "I want this shot to look like this over here," animation is a different thing. However, wanting a shot to look a certain way in front of the camera is kind of the same idea. So I really- thought this movie in general looked really good. It was directed really Very well. Good. It's um. You know, some of the special effects you had to sort of squint a couple of times. You did at the beginning on the jetpack and stuff. <laughs> yes. It just looked very. You know what it reminded Every me of? Every jetpack experience uh, needed a little. It reminded bit. me of Spy Kids, like that kind of level. Yeah. Like Spy Kids is intentionally kind of a bit cheap because that's how Robert Rodriguez does it. But this kind of crept into Spy Kids yeah. territory, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a squint, squint." But it squint. is kind of fun, and I, I am enjoying seeing the city and you know going through everything. Um, so extras on this Blu-ray, there are a few. They're slim pickings. The first one is um, "Remembering the Future: A Personal Journey Through Tomorrowland" with Brad Bird. It's seven minutes long, and it's the one extra you probably should watch if you want to get why Brad Bird would make this movie, because it really encapsulates how he's feeling. And why this is how it is. Because this movie is super personal and it's about his feeling. Uh, not anybody else's feeling, really. Very personal to him, I think. I mean, there'll be people who agree with him, but... There's an animated short, The Origins of Plus Ultra, which you can actually show it before the movie if you want. And it's... There's a science fair in this movie at the beginning and it's a supposedly an artifact of a movie that was done for that fair. It's, it's just a little animation. It's not 100% necessary. Yeah. It just tells you a little bit more stuff about that fair. There's casting Tomorrowland about casting the characters in the movie. There's a great big beautiful scoring session about scoring the music. There's the World of Tomorrow Science Hour, which is... Um, it says it's outtakes from an hour-long Disney series pilot. It's <laughs> not that. It's more of a spoofy type thing yeah. with... Uh, Hugh, Laurie. Hugh Laurie and some kids. But if you've ever seen, because I watched the Walt Disney um, biography thing recently, like a whole two-hour thing about him, he did those exact things where he was leaned on a desk yep, and would I've say, those, yeah. "This, you know, come watch uh, Mickey Mouse Club, that style. whatever." Exactly that stuff. But like how you always saw Walt, you never saw Walt really behind the scenes. He was always like Mr. On, Positivity. His positive. This is Hugh Laurie losing a bit, losing the. Um, like there's a lot of it's just silly it's a it's a it's a funny you know comedy thing but how he's dealing with the kids when the camera well tell me more about that character that should have been told in the movie yeah so that helped so that could have that idea could have been woven into the movie i would have understood who he was a little bit better so that's it for extras which surprises me on a huge movie like tomorrowland which was you know he always loved doing loads of extras yeah um so i'm just gonna interject here I'm seeing lots of pictures of the sunset this evening on my Facebook feed, so we're not the only ones who are enjoying this weird purple <laughs> sunset. So, uh, in conclusion for Tomorrowland, I enjoyed it. I can say I definitely enjoyed it. <laughs> but, I do think it's uneven. But, as an as a 
Is it a sci-fi movie? Yes. Going to another dimension? As a family-friendly, let's say. Definitely. You can definitely see. It's a PG. You can sit down with your kids and watch this. I don't think there's anything. Somebody said, I was reading, oh, it says it's a PG, and I bought it, and it disturbed my kids. And they were like, there was a bit where she was bashing somebody's head with a baseball bat, and that really, really disturbed all the kids. That was a bit severe. There's, there is that, and if your kids might watch this and then go and bash their little sister's head with a baseball bat, don't sit them down in front of this. But aside from that, it is, it's got good messages. I mean, it, it's a robot that she's hitting with. Yeah, but still, you know. <laughs> a robot that's trying to kill Your little brother her. could be the robot when you're playing as well, couldn't he? True. That, that's the thing. But then that, that applies to every video game, every yeah. cartoon, almost, so. But I think it's family friendly. You just, you know, sit down with your kids to watch this. It's not, you know. No. Um, and it's fun. That's the most thing. It's it's actually fun. I always like a bit of like, oh, here's a world that's not, our, you know, something f- fantastic that you have not seen. And you do feel like, oh, wow, look at this place. I really liked the scene where she touches the thing. She touch The way she gets to Tomorrowland is she touches the thing. It's a pin. And then appears in that cornfield. I like that image of that cornfield. Why? I also liked the image. It just looked amazing. I also liked it. It looked like it was a golden hour moment also. But I liked the, also liked the idea of when you're holding the pin and you're in the that world, you're still in your world so you can still bang into things. Yeah, exactly. I love really, that. That was, was really, funny. Yeah. So she had to go somewhere where there was a big open space. Um, so yeah, I really liked all that was, that's what I'm saying about the beginning. It felt like this, oh, it's this adventure and like you've got to work out the puzzle and get in there and stuff. Uh, so... Yeah, I recommend it. I actually think it's really fun. Sit down with your kids, watch it. What about you? I enjoyed it a lot. I just think, yeah, the unraveling of the why she's special, why she's there, why she can help all falls apart a little bit. Yeah, it's not... it. The first hour she's not is the, better She's not the, the missing piece to a puzzle that you're led to... You're like, ah! It's not the fifth element. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fifth Element. I but you know what I'm that. saying. Like, there's <gasps> That's a, one of my favorite movies. That all, you know. But some not... people would think that that is too preachy. Yeah. What's the Fifth Element? Love. Like love. Did you just spoil the Fifth Element? <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen the Fifth Element by now, mm-hmm. was it twenty years old? Yeah, more, more. Too late now. So thanks to Disney for Tomorrowland. Uh, if you want to enter a contest, we we actually uh, have a new uh, movie that we're giving away this week or next week if you go to aschoolie.com. Uh, and it is, I'm holding it up so you can see it. It's great. It's um, a Lego brickumentary. Mm. And what that is, is a documentary about Lego. And it's actually about the whole culture around Lego. And it takes you inside uh, Lego and shows you how they put together these huge models for Legoland. Um, which hasn't been seen before, apparently. Uh, it's narrated by Jason Bateman. People thought it was magic until now. And we've got three Blu-rays to give away. Uh, I'd watch it. Three DVDs to give away. So I'd watch it. That's not. We're not talking about you. We're talking about <laughs> people who might want but to I win this. But I can't win it. That's the point. So if you win this, then you need to contact me, and I'll come to your house, and I'll watch it with you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so you can go to aschoolie.com early next week and look out for a Lego documentary. You can win a copy. Uh, next week's Blu-ray review, seeing as it's Halloween weekend, Thank we're goodness. watching a horror movie called The Gallows, and that will be next weekend. Movie recommendations, I am going with The Rocketeer. 
because this movie obviously it has rocket packs. It also has a nice nod to the Rocketeer that you might not spot if you are not a fan of the Rocketeer. You have to be a fan to notice it. But uh, the Rocketeer, awesome Disney movie, also very positive, very old school. It's mm-hmm. really, it's just a, it's, it's like nothing else. It's not like a Disney movie. It never was for me, even when I watched it earlier. It's got some darkness. It's a very, yeah, it's a different yeah. type, but yeah. You don't feel like it's a Disney movie, but I always loved it. Like, I just liked the idea of like a 19, what was it, 1950s? Yeah. Or maybe earlier than that. Maybe the 30s. But like old school, like like an Technology, Errol Flynn character. You know, like this. It's just a cool, cool movie. The Rocketeer. And my other one was the Narnia series of movies. Unfortunately, the Narnia series didn't do so well, so they nixed it. And it isn't over the story, and I hate that. You know, that they didn't make all five, six of the movies. They only made three of them. Feels like it's over to me. I never read the books. Yeah, but there's a bunch more. And the th- the three that they made, the first three movies, I I really enjoy them a lot. I so you're telling they- people to watch three whole movies with no conclusion. Well, you can go and read the two <laughs> books to finish, or read the three books to finish finish the story. But I love the, the Narnia. I, I love the books as well. When I was a kid, I read the books. I just like that, stepping into another world. Like, it's just mm-hmm. right there, and you can go to it, and it's... Well, no matter what the dangers are. Yeah. Uh, so, the Narnia series. Unfortunately, hopefully, someday, they'll decide to make the rest of them. It was just... They would do- the first one was really popular. You know what? Think about it. They were in the time frame of Harry Potter. Yeah, they were. That's a big competition there for... And the Lord of the Rings. I'm not saying that it, it was even before Lord of the Rings started, I think, wasn't it? The Narnia stuff. Same time, I think. So you got a lot of competition for the big... Not that you can't go to different movies, but I think people get very loyal to a thing. And, you know. Mine are very different from yours. Last night, you introduced me to a movie franchise that I've never watched anything about. So my first recommendation... This is nothing to do with Disney. Is nothing to do with Disney. In fact, it's as far opposite (laughs) of that as possible. And just so you know, if you're delicate in any way, or you're under the age of 40... (laughs) You should not watch this movie, or any of these movies, but it's called I Spit on Your Grave. Now, some people might be listening, oh, God, that 70s-something movie is terrible, it's horrible, it's, it is about, it's a horrible rape story with revenge involved. Now, I'm not a big fan of promoting images of, you know, women being raped, attacked, assaulted in any way. However, sometimes if you balance it out with the... And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not a vigilante. But if you balance that horrible human act that you're watching, it's fictional on the screen, but it's in real life too. If you balance that out with an equal amount of rage and revenge that it deserves, and then in a a way that, you know, I'm not saying it's an Oscar winning movie or anything like that. No. But it's a good remake. It gets you, you know, it's. uh, it's know. the remake we're talking about, the two. Right, I don't know about it, the remake part. I only know that I've seen this one. I haven't seen the first one, so it doesn't matter to me about this. It's first one, one of those times, uh, and it doesn't happen for me very often either, where the remake is actually better than the original. Right, but that, I think it's because of the big space of time in between them. You know, because, you know, something from 1970s. But I wouldn't even know that one existed. So to me, this is standalone, and it should be standalone. I don't know why it has a sequel and another sequel, but we'll find there's others. There's Spit on Your Grave 2 and 3. And um, again, do not watch it if you are delicate. 
Don't watch it with somebody who has any violent tendencies. Don't watch it with somebody who will joke about it because it's not a funny topic. It is just a hardcore. It's, it's ugh, like for, you want to you see characters who are so vile and disgusting, and then to have somebody turn the tables on them is satisfying in a way. It's gory. It's horrible. It's wretched. It's it's pretty. It's like, beyond a horror movie. It's not just a horror movie. It's about like a human. Yeah, horrible and thing. it's pretty. Um, I said to you when when it before it started, it's pretty hardcore. This movie, like and it's old in terms, school in I terms mean, of gra- how in, graphic it actually is. In 2010, because yeah. that's when it was made, having that rape scene and the whole that whole sequence, it's very it's a throwback because we don't do that so much anymore. So there's that one. And Dawn of the Dead, both of them, which I haven't watched again this year. But I think those are some of my favorites of all of the zombie, Romero zombie ones. So I need to watch those. And uh, what was I just watching? The first ever episode of Bob Ross. No, this has anything to do with anything. No, but Bob Ross is a Mr. Positivity. Yes. Imagination, he'll say, take what's in here. And he points this to his little heart and put it on there. Pointing to the canvas. It's all about that. Does he mean blood? <laughs> Maybe is he satanic? Surely somebody on Saturday Night Live at some point has done a, a, a one of those he episodes goes, where, he, where he's like mm-hmm. painting something really mm-hmm. horrible. But no, it's just it's this weird. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> one person I read on a post on a board somewhere, it's like it depresses him to watch him. Now he's not the most like uplifting kind of guy but it is fascinating that he became such a thing from this guy standing with a completely black background like there's nothing behind him but a black wall or whatever curtain yeah it's like he's in the void i said to you he like is. he's nowhere and he's just talking softly he's got his palette his canvas and him that is it yep. and something about him even now 40 years later or whatever people are still you know you can, we went to BobRoss.com and you still can buy there. all of his stuff and all of his videos and his he's YouTube not, channel. He's not even alive. And he he's died still got in 1995, yeah. and so the Bob Ross goes on. But watching that first episode ever on YouTube is quite interesting. So, all right, my, so my varied uh, recommendations for my spit on your grave to Bob Ross. I'm trying to have a more positive attitude. Perfect Disney balancing uh, it out. So moving on to games and A-Scully stuff, I played one game this week and it was Guitar Hero Live. I said I would talk about it last week. Uh, you've seen some of Guitar Hero Live. What do you reckon of Guitar Hero Live? It's fun. It's um, the new Guitar Hero game. What's different? They've changed the guitar. It's completely different. So if you think you're a Guitar Hero expert and you pick up this game and turn it to expert mode and think you're going to be good at it, you're not because it's completely different. I mean, it will kick your ass. Yeah, it's it's almost like your brain, uh, you know, wire your brain to do something. So let's say riding a bike. If I told you tomorrow that you have to ride a bike completely different, it's a different setup. You wouldn't do it immediately. No, no. And this is It'd different. It'd be like me learning to drive a stick shift car. Yeah. All like, my instincts would be wrong, 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 wrong. Yeah, for a while. But and like then all a, of a sudden that split. Something switches, yep. yeah. So last night, I've been playing it on easy mode. Now, how how the guitar is different is... How the old guitar used to be was five buttons in a straight line down the neck of the guitar. And you played up and down. You moved your hand up and down to reach the buttons. Now on the new guitar, it's three buttons. But then above those three buttons are another three buttons. So it's six buttons, but two by two, like on a grid, instead of five in a row. Now, some people say, well, that's, isn't that easier? Because it's just three buttons. Three above, three below. 
well. It's not just press, you know, the bottom row and then the top, then go to the top, press the bottom row. No, sometimes it's press the bottom row and the top row or press the number one on the top row and number three on the bottom row. That's when it's that. And, and how it's my, you know, on the um, highway on the screen, when you look at the notes that come down, how you normally play Guitar Hero, they're all coloured in the old game. You know, green, red, yellow. It's quite obvious what you're supposed to do. Oh, you press green, you press red. And once you memorize where that is under your hand, then you don't think about it anymore. On this game, there are no colors. There are black and there are white notes. They're not technically colors, are they? Black and white. Yeah. So there are black and there are white. Black is the top row of buttons. White is the bottom row of buttons. Some notes that come down the highway are black and white, like split in half. So that means press both buttons at the same time. Some notes that come down the highway are not black and white at all. They are nothing. That means you don't hold anything. You just strum. You just strum the guitar at the bottom. You don't hold any any notes. It's. I started playing on easy because um, the regular mode, I was like, oh, I can't even get my head around this. I'm going to put it on easy. I put it on easy, which only uses the three white buttons. You can forget about the black ones. It's just the three white buttons. I played it for a day with the three white buttons, and I got really good. I was getting 100% on every song. And then I was like, okay, I have to go to the next mode up, which is the harder mode. And then I did. And I was sucking at it. I was like, I just can't do this. My head is not wired to press black and white notes at the same time. I just can't deal with it. Last night, I just, I just persevered. And I was like, okay, let's see. And I suddenly started to go, okay, I know how to press those two together. And when I see those two, I do that. By the end of the night, I was getting 95% on most of the songs on the hard difficulty. So my thing is persevere with it. You'll figure it out. Now I want to go and play it. Um, It gets easier and easier. But the big change to this game, and what is the coolest thing about the whole thing, I think, is there are two modes of play. There's live and there's TV mode. Live mode is this campaign where you're in a band, kind of like the old games, but different, and you play sets of concert. You play a concert, basically. Three three or four songs, and uh, it's all full motion video now. It's not like... It used to be like a... Cartoon characters, right? Judy Nails, and you remember those? Like, oh, they're just like silly little cartoon characters who you see behind. I do not remember, but now it's full motion video. They've made these fictional bands. It's kind of weird a little bit. There's these fictional bands who sing real songs. So at one point you're playing Katy Perry song, and there's a girl singing Katy Perry. Just you know that part's a bit odd, but it does emulate you being on the stage with a band. Sometimes you look down at the crowd. You can't really look at it very well when you play in the game. Because you... I mean, you can. I wouldn't think so. But occasionally, out of the corner of your eye, you get a glimpse of like your other guitar player winking at you or saying, hey, that's cool, you know. And the worse you play, the band get pissed off with you. Like, it, it does that. But while that's cool, and there's 40-odd songs in that mode, I've finished that mode now, and I probably would never go back to it. Because the songs aren't that memorable, to be honest. But there's this other mode called GHTV, Guitar Hero TV. And what it essentially is, is MTV for Guitar Hero fans. So it's a 24-hour-a-day channel. There's two channels, Guitar Hero 1 and Guitar Hero 2. 
it's put together like an MTV channel. It plays a few music videos and then it has, what do you call them things in between music videos where it'd go MTV and do like a little animation or something. Don't know, just MTV spots. Yeah, whatever those are. There's, there's Guitar Hero ones. Lincoln or something like that. Yeah, those are in between the videos. So it feels like you're watching a television channel. There's a commercial, not a commercial for Pepsi or whatever. Yeah. A commercial for, here's the latest music on Guitar Hero TV. You can go and play it now. Oh, uh, commercial for itself. Yeah. Nice. But uh, it just makes it feel like I a I think t- a fake Pepsi commercial would be more fun. Yeah. Oh, well, eventually I felt like it might end up with commercials in it. Because this like thing real is... real ones. Yeah, because this whole Guitar Hero TV experience is free, actually. Once you bought the game, it's there's no money to be paid for songs. Uh, it's random, though. So I tune in now, and it might be Pop Hour, or it might be Heavy Metal Hour. I can see why people would hate that. Right. But yeah, but... Um, so I, I actually... I played Indie Hour earlier. Right, but you also played Heavy Metal Hour, and you didn't like it. I didn't, but... Uh, so if that's the only hour you have every uh-uh, day to you play... You don't. There's two channels. Ah. So you got Guitar Hero 1, Guitar Hero 2. So when the Heavy Metal Hour comes on, on Guitar Hero 2, when you change, it won't be a Heavy Metal Hour. It'll be something else. Right, but still, what if those two choices... It might be Country Hour. Right. So what if the only time you get to play is from 6 to 7 every evening when you get home from work? Right, well, there is and a solu- yeah, big solution to that. So... Pay money. These channels are 24 hours a day. There are 400 songs on them, which is a lot of songs. I haven't played a song twice on that channel. Um, and you play the songs and, you know, you just tune in, you play along. When you're finished, you tune out. Like, it's it's just fun, really, because I like the randomness of it. Oh, it's ZZ Top. Oh, now it's... Do you think it's because they don't want people to get so good at individual songs or something? No, the the, the reasoning behind the whole thing is licensing. They've said oh, um, yeah, yeah. they want to be able to insert new records when they come out and everybody be able to play them for high scores, not only the people who buy them. So you don't pay anything. You play these random channels of songs. Now, what happens if you do want to play any song out of that 400 song list whenever you want? Well, every three songs that you play, you get Guitar Hero cash. And it deposits it. You see it at the end when you finish the, the Guitar Hero cash. And that gives you every three songs that you play randomly. Gives you one play token. Right. So you build up these tokens. I've got like 50 of them at the moment. You go into the Guitar Hero store with your 50 tokens and they don't buy the songs, but they buy a play of any song you want. So right now I could go and play 50 songs that are, (coughs) you know, off the catalogue. If I only want to play Cool Kids by Echo Smith 50 times, I could play it 50 times. So that's how it works. You never actually buy music. You buy plays of songs. Now, a lot of people play um, Guitar Hero at parties. I have heard that people, they have a party and they have Guitar Hero and they buy a load of songs and the, the friends come up and play different songs. Now, you're th- people are probably thinking, well, at a party, I'm screwed because I've got my 50 plays or whatever I've saved up and then we can't play anymore. Well, they have like a pass. This does involve buying money. Yeah. It's $2.99 and it gives you 24 hours unlimited plays so if you are having a party and that is your mo you can pay the three dollars you can, if there's like 10 of you you can all chip in and you get to play the whole thing for 24 hours i like this system i think it's really cool because next month there could be a hundred new songs on there 
because the record companies are probably going to want to put the songs on Guitar, Guitar Hero TV. It's a massive way of selling records. Exactly. Yeah, so I see it as a good thing. I like the randomness of it. Like I said to you, I don't like it when it's Heavy Metal Hour, but there again, I was playing Heavy Metal Hour last night because it was the only thing I'd played the other ones, and the Heavy Metal, and I was like, I don't really like the music, but I'm liking how the notes are organized on this particular track. It's actually a challenge, you know? So, um, I really like this new method. I know some people won't because they can't just buy their own songs and keep them. And what, you know, say I love... Um, my Own Worst Enemy by Lit, which is on there, and I love it, and next month they take it off because they haven't got the rights to it anymore. I can never play it again. I understand that too. That's kind of sucky. Yeah. But it's also cool that they can just put new tracks on whenever But it's want. better than you paying $3 for it and then it disappear. Yeah. Yeah, that. Because somewhere in this tiny writing, when you paid for it, it said, if ever we lose the right to the song, you, you will don't. lose the right to the song right. as well. So this is, this 400 songs at all times is going to be... They're actually adding Guitar Hero Channel number three next month, which will be a different genre of stuff. Like, it's going to be a more alternative channel. And that'll have another 100 songs. So you'll have 500 songs all the time. But alternative, like, what's cool, kids? What's that concerned? That's indie, that one. It's under the okay. indie channel. But they're going to have, like, a... They're going to... On this other channel, they're going to have, like, con- Country's going to be on there and Folk... Some other, like, different genres, which are in here, which is interesting. Like, it, the, the range of music in this game goes from really severe, like, thrash metal <laughs> down to Carrie Underwood singing a country song. Like, it goes all the way across. Like, and I think that's really interesting. I don't listen to Bruno Mars, I, I, you know, in the charts, but his song that's on there is really fun to play, and it's a fun video. It's fun with the... With the monkeys right. dancing. Um you know, I, I I didn't know I liked that song. I played it a few times. I was like, it's a really fun song. I like it. So it's a good way of discovering music. There were a few indie bands there that I played this afternoon that I said to you, I have no idea what this is, but I like it. So I think it's a really cool way of doing it. So that's Guitar Hero Live. It's out next week. You can pick it up. Um, I was doing the beta test of it, which didn't really seem to be much of a beta test because there was they sent me the final game. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But... um. Yeah, uh, th- there was also a Star Wars uh, trailer out this week, which we watched. Really? I and didn't new... notice. <laughs> not not, not oh, when you get Tomorrowland, by the way. There's a Star Wars trailer before it, which is the first Disney Blu-ray I have seen a Star Wars thing on. But there's the second Star Wars trailer. But there's a third Star Wars trailer this week, which uh, I, I watched. I bet I've watched it ten times this week. I bet you have. Again, Star Wars... Are you getting any trailers for the new X-Files yet? Yeah, I've actually saw, saw the one that was on Fox, yeah. <laughs> X-Files and Star Wars all in one couple of months span. Do you think your little heart can take it? And guess what else? Starting on uh, Halloween night. Ash versus Evil Dead. Right. It's like crazy. What, what the hell? It's like it's like somebody went, hey, you know, like, Paul's all his favorite things. <laughs> Make all them for this year. Like So, anyway, the new Star Wars trailer is, if you saw the other two Star Wars trailers... I like what they're doing with these trailers. They don't really spoil anything. It's just like... it's It tugs at your heartstrings if you're a ta- Star Wars fan. If you're a Star Wars fan. It does me. It actually makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I can tell. It, it's like... I need to see it right now. Like, like, is it on now? I, I want to go and see it now. It's, it, you do know you won't be able to see it even when it does come out, right? You've accepted this fact? I, I, I mean, <laughs> it'll come out. 
and as soon as possible, I'll, I'll get to see it. That's what I'm saying. So it'll take a while. Yeah, I, we didn't. You could order the tickets uh, when that trailer came out. At the end, it says order tickets now. But good Why luck didn't with you? it. Try. I tried. It was down. Oh. The website was. It was just that was it. It was done. The website went down, and then when it came back up, Fandango, they were all sold. So somebody got even in our town, which is weird. Yeah, everywhere sold. Everywhere for the first maybe a week and a half, you can't get tickets. So, yeah, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, December the eighteenth. If you're lucky enough to get it on opening night. The other thing we watched this week, a movie, is the Green Inferno, Eli Roth's new movie. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Another uh, one that's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. It's Eli Roth, uh, who did Hostel, if you remember Hostel. Uh, he he made Hostel, and he's inspired by uh, Cannibal Holocaust. So there yeah. there you go. Those are the two things combined. And the Green Those Inferno. Those two things had a baby, and it's the Green Inferno. <coughs> it's, it's a cannibal movie, which you don't see very often. It's straight up old school cannibal movie. It's not, it doesn't tiptoe around the subject. It doesn't like try to allude to some secret society somewhere. It is straight up, this is what we do. Here are some people, here are cannibals. And that's what they do. But it's not even that they're cannibals. That's It's not even like that to me. It's just that's what they do. You are livestock to them. You know, they're not I, re- I enjoyed it uh, a lot. <laughs> it's funny to say that about a movie like that. but It's like, it's... Um, it's I, viscerally... I enjoy like, horrific uh, things. I yeah. like the more horrific the better. I like to be really shocked. The guy from Tomorrowland was right. You just love all that negative, horrible shit. <laughs> Yeah, I like, I like, uh, and it is shocking. This mo- it does have some things in this movie. I did a couple of like close one eye kind of moments, and I don't do that very often. There are some things like the, what I was like, whoa. Well, some things that are like, yes, there's some gore and stuff, but there are some other things. One of them's yeah, <laughs> and the other ones yeah. There's just some weird things in this movie where you're like, wow, this is like bra- the, the this you don't see this. The same th- feelings you get from Human Centipede, yeah, that like kind of that. movie where you're like, I know it's fiction, yeah, I know it's a hundred, but this fiction. is really effed up, like the it most is. effed up. You're like, I know these are actors on a set, and there's a bunch of people behind the camera, and it's really not happening, but there's something in your brain way back there where you are convinced, and you go, yeah, why is like, that happening? Ah, now? Like, why am I reacting this way? Because I know it isn't real. Yeah, so it's not, you know, it's not high art or anything, but it's if you like gory, you know, gory movies, like if you're into hostile, things like that, Human Centipede, I think you'd get a kick out of this one. And I don't think that cannibalism is the ultimate in horror. I'm sorry, but I don't. It's horrible, but I don't think it's the ultimate in horror movie. This just plays on that trope. I said what I loved about this, right? It's super high def, so you see everything. Yeah. And they don't use the trick of, hey, let's do it all at night time. They just... It's in the daytime. Broad daylight. Yeah, broad yeah. daylight. Which I, which I admire, because most people don't Again, do squint your eyes a couple of times, because a couple of... Yeah, but it's convincing camera. enough. Yep. Yeah, so... Because you're probably going like, oh, shit. Like, so that's the Green Inferno. It's in theaters now. So uh, what is for dinner, Sid Talk? Tonight will be some potatoes and some veggie sausage. Ooh. And some other vegetables. Last night you had the great idea to have what we call baked potatoes here on this planet. And from your planet, they call them jacket potatoes. Yeah, jacket potatoes. Jacket potato. Well, here we call them baked potatoes. So tonight we're going to have a different, maybe baked again. They're not really baked there in the microwave, but baked dish. And some of that Morning Star sausage patties, something else. And did you say what's my advice? No. Oh, my advice is, <laughs> and this is very specific to me. 
And I've probably mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it again. Okay. You know what somebody says just casually, as nicely as they possibly can? Like, oh, like it really bothers me when I hear somebody chew or like chomping or like the crunch of potato chips, you know, it just really bugs me. And then they get on, you get on with the conversation and you go on about your business. It's just part of the conversation. And then later, you are eating something and you intentionally chomp or crunch your potato chip really loud because you think that's fucking I hilarious. Do not, do not you. This person I'm talking to. And it could be anybody out there. Because I know at least three of these people. So you think it's hilarious because now this person has told you that this really bothers them and you think they're just being picky. Well, guess what? You're just being a dick. Because I'm telling you now... That thing, if it's severe enough, and I don't know that I have a severe version of it, but I described it. I did a little Facebook post this week because I heard a couple people mention it and somebody else joked about it, you know, at work. And I was like, right, well, let me just describe it to you. When I hear even my husband, you, lovely, you're very polite, chew very nicely, but doesn't matter. As soon as I hear that, that. Ugh, that sound of food going across your teeth and that little slurp of saliva on the corner of your mouth. Even though it's not probably even existent to most people anywhere ever on the planet, and I'm probably eight feet away from you, I hear it and it shoots into my head like you've just hit me with a battering ram and then my jaw gets this like... I don't think I'd notice. ...shock of pain. of, And it's all in a split second. It doesn't last. It's just this instant like, fuck, and I shrink up my shoulder like I've just had a really bad chill or something and then I have to kind of undo that and then it's just relentless and you it's not about noticing it you keep saying I wouldn't even notice I don't even think about it I don't even hear it I don't hear it either I don't hear it on purpose I could be across the room from somebody who's in the living room and I'm in the kitchen and if I hear that that gulpy sound of someone swallowing a drink even thinking about it makes me wince and I have no explanation it just and it's a violent reaction like I have this instant my teeth grit and I want to just you think you somebody. could get rid of that somehow I don't like I mean it's psycho just, I mean obviously I don't act on it so I cope with it no I know it. but I mean it's a th- it's just a mind or it's just a I don't know what it is exactly. it's like you know like a nails down a chalkboard why can't you look at a jar of buttons yeah, that's what Why I mean. can't I put buttons all over my... I like, have to eliminate buttons from my life because you have this weird, like, oh, buttons. Well, what I'm saying is, like... I well, could, can you get rid of that? Yeah, I probably... Like, somebody would say, oh, you just... Have you made the effort? Do you care to? No. Right, you know why? Because it's fucking hard. It's not something that you just deprogram, and it's been my whole life. Like, all I can remember... I'm, saying, I'm just saying, I wonder if you can, though. If you really try. Like... I just said I try. I've tried you. so hard Maybe, my whole life. Anyth- anything that somebody's... Well, I guess you can. I haven't just... not tried. I've tried immensely Like, if you hard. listen to... I've it... intentionally made noise when I'm... I do it myself, too. How about if too. you like, had it recorded on a... doesn't uh, matter. And just listen to it all day. But that's my point. If you did it on purpose to be a dickhead... No, I, I don't mean bother. to be. I mean... A... I understand. If you're doing it on purpose or I'm listening to it over and over and over, it does nothing. It is the spontaneous thing. It's the naturalness of it. And there's no replicating that. Because when you're doing it on purpose, it's exaggerated. It's theatrical. It's like dramatic version of it. And then you can just dismiss it. When you're just sitting quietly in a room with one other person. And I have a co-worker. And I can't help. I, I, it's nothing to do with this person. So it's not their responsibility. 
to not have the noise, right? And I, I, I pick, it's like I have radar <laughs> all around me and I'm picking up on the, the tiniest little saliva sucking sound between your tongue and the top of your mouth. Like when you go to swallow and you can hear that nasally sound, I can describe every sound of it to you. And it just, like a train what about yourself? through my jaw. Same. So you can't swallow without it annoying you? Uh, it's not the swallowing as much as that, right? Chewing, just as you swallow. The swallowing, swallowing isn't the problem. It's sort of that little transitional period. And yeah, I, I just sipped it. <laughs> you know, if I'm eating chips with someone, I have to actually psych myself out beforehand to sort of just go with it. And the reaction is there. The the thing in my ear and the thing in my jaw. And I have to like, I want to like tap my skull to get rid of the, whatever it is. Like, duh, 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 duh. So I just psych myself up that that's part of it. So for the next half an hour, we're going to be eating chips and dip, everybody. And no one's aware of it. But in my mind, there's this like hell inferno going on and I'm eating along with everybody else and I'm just like la 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 and sometimes it's exhausting because I'll get done and everything calms down and I can actually feel myself like oh my god thank god that's over <laughs> and I don't know some people say there's a name for it I don't necessarily believe that I think that's sort of bullshit but if my whole point is if someone tells you that it bothers them and you can tell the difference between somebody and I don't even tell most people. I'll tell a lot of people, but not most. It's not normal conversation. If someone has made the effort in confidentiality to just say to you nicely, wow, you know, oh, whenever I am around somebody who chomps, particularly people who chomp with chew with their mouth open and, and they're unaware of how disgusting they are. Um, and then you do it on purpose. It just makes you look like a complete jerk. So I'm not saying don't eat around people. You can't not eat around me and I can't stop eating. I could drink smoothies all day, I guess, and eliminate my problem, but that's not going to happen. It's just, you know, if somebody so, doesn't like whistling, you don't particularly like listening to whistling. I like to whistle. I don't whistle all the time because I respect the fact that it bugs you. If I were to sit here and go... <laughs> Like, I'm intentionally doing it to annoy you. It wouldn't annoy you because you'd be like, whatever, you jerk. <laughs> but if I was off in the kitchen and I kept whistling the same tune over and over, you would be sitting there going, oh, my God. Not the same reaction, but it would annoy you. So I don't do it. That's it. So. Just saying it all. This room. You know what? Enacting it in my head is is exhausting. So everybody <laughs> relax now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me remind you about our websites, acefilly.com, sidtar.com. You can catch us on uh, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on stitcher.com. Search for After the Show. You can find it there. I've put an applet on the main page, acefilly.com. You can click there too. If and you are in Mexico this weekend, beware. There, I mean, you probably know already. If you're listening from Mexico across the middle, very horrible hurricane coming across you. So we hope you are well and safe and all that. It's going right across where my mom lives in the winter. And all up over the whole country. I see it. So I'm just saying, be be careful. Okay. So Stop uh, listening to this and go get safety. You can also catch this on the iTunes Music Store if you're still safe. And uh, go to the RSS feed, aschoolie.com. Click on the word podcast. You can listen there. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. Uh, and finally, stay classy, Mr. Clooney. <laughs> Is it classy? Oh yeah. And I'm gonna say, think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>